millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here. As always, and of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 3-1 victory over Manchester United at Villa Park. The first time since 1995, I do believe, if I'm looking at the stats correctly, which is just absolutely mental. I was one years old. Simon was 37 at the time um, (laughs) in regards to that. But anyways, we do have Simon O'Regan here as well. Simon, how's it going for you? I mean... I, I I never thought this day would come <laughs> that we beat Manu at Villa Park in in the Premier League. I mean, this surely this is one of the signs of the apocalypse because because this just doesn't happen. I, you know, we've how many times over the years have we been two 0 up against that team with like ten fifteen minutes to go and lost, not not even got a draw from it. So to uh, to be sitting here tonight. Coming off the back of, of that win today, I'm yeah, just absolutely over the moon. Absolutely. I thought the the, the win at Old Trafford last season was a bit of a, a lucky fluke and we had to kind of take some of that uh, opportunity and just enjoy it for a time being. I never thought I'd see one at Villa Park, but uh, it, it feels like we've almost won a trophy, I guess you could say, with some fans. <laughs> and, they, and they might argue that we're probably celebrating it that way. But you know what? When these things take this long, you have to bask in the glory and just enjoy it to break things down a little bit, of course, to let everyone know the goal scores and all that kind of stuff, just in case you missed it. I'm sure most of you didn't, because who would want to miss some of that absolutely joyous play? Unai Emery's first game in charge. I absolutely already have fallen in love with the man. I don't even care. I'm just going to admit it. It could go absolutely tits up from here, but oh well, who cares? (laughs) Of course, Leon Bailey scoring in the seventh minute, assisted by Jacob Ramsey. Uh, Dini scoring from a free kick in the 11th minute, which was beautifully taken, I must say. And of course, that man, Jacob Ramsey, once again, getting an own goal in the 45th minute, but then redeeming himself shortly after halftime in the 49th minute, assisted by Ollie Watkins. I do have to say, Jacob Ramsey loves does love a side foot into the top corner of the net. That's definitely, uh, I would have to say, his motto for scoring goals these days. But Simon, we've kind of briefly mentioned how happy we are. I think that's going to be the theme for this one, and we just had to bask in it. Of course, we do play them again on Thursday, so we have to kind of get back down to reality relatively quickly. But, I mean, like we were talking about before recording, this is the massive difference that we can see as Villa fans. Maybe neutrals can say, okay, it's a it's a new manager bounce. You're going to get a little bit of that positive momentum. And sure, that could be maybe some of it or a lot of it. So who knows? Only time will tell how successful Unai Emery is at Villa. But for me, at least, and I'm assuming for you as well, it was just instant from minute one from kickoff that this was a side that was already well managed compared to the previous manager who we will not name. And a lot of things just instantly clicked. And you kind of have to sit back and wonder, wow, this is what it looks like when you have a, 
a figurehead at your football club that can set a team up for success, that coaches his players well, and ultimately just doesn't sit on the sideline and pout. Yeah, it's uh, well, that it's handy, isn't it, having a, the manager in the dugout who who actually does know what they're doing. Um, you're right, straight from from the off, you, you you could see a difference. I mean, the the biggest thing I took, especially especially in that sort of opening 15, 20 minutes was the playing out from the back. Now, there's obviously over the years, football has changed a lot with more teams sort of playing out from the back. And we've seen, I've seen us try to do that before. I think, you know, when Gerard came in, that was a big thing of his, trying to play out from the back. But you kind of, even under Gerard and, and under previous managers, when we've tried, tried to do that, He's never looked comfortable. Like he's always looks like there's no real plan. It's just we want to play out from the back, but we haven't actually we haven't actually got any any patterns to play or anything in place to actually do that. When you look today, as especially that sort of first 10, 15 minutes, and, and the first goal came from it as well. Martinez, Cons and Mings, very happy to sort of knock it about between them, but he never he never looked panicked. Like it didn't look like they've they've been forced to do that but they didn't really know what they were doing and you also I, I don't know if, if you sort of know so much but the likes of Louise Dendonka and, and even sort of people like Bailey, uh, not Bailey, Buendia and Ramsey who would be a bit further up the pitch were, were still sort of making runs and getting themselves into positions where they could receive the ball from, from the keeper or the centre-backs when they got it and I mean I don't know it, 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 I think it helps that Manu have a pensioner and Ronaldo up front who, who can't press the way a team like uh, a, a Liverpool sort of in the you know vintage Klopp Liverpool would press you that highly um, you know Tottenham and Man City would do that so obviously it's one game there's this bigger test still to come but as I say it, it didn't look like it was playing out from the back just for the sake of it it, it felt like they actually properly worked on how to play out from the back and how you draw the team on and then when the time is right, then you make that forward pass. It it wasn't it wasn't like they'd make two or three passes between each other and then feel like, right, we've got no options, let's just lump it. They felt it looked like they were comfortable to just keep doing that and wait for the opportunity. And as I say, the first goal really came from an extended passage of play like that. And then eventually the time was right to get it to Watkins, whose hold at play was was absolutely on point today. And that, that's where, you know, we sort of broke away and got that first goal from. And even, you know, we were sort of talking before we started recording, trying to work out what we thought the formation was. And I think the fact that, you, in a weird way, the fact that you couldn't, like, properly identify what it was, was a good thing because it wasn't like, you know, this is rigidly how we're setting up and you have to stick to it. It looked like there was sort of plans in place for... Where wherever the ball is on the pitch and where the opposition players are, this is the shape that you need to be set up in, and it um yeah worked worked wonders. Absolutely, I mean that's really, in my opinion, the signs of a good coach. And of course, it is early days, so we have to maybe put a little of emphasis on that. But for me, when you're like you said, when you're set up in different scenarios, it could be a four four two. When you're in more of a counterattacking scenario. It could be a 4-3-3. I thought it was more of a 4 triple 2 personally, with the amount of times Leon Bailey was just marauding forward like he thought he was prime Ronaldo or something like that. But regardless of that, 
it was nice to see us kind of set up differently in different scenarios and be prepared for those outcomes. And I mean, from literally from Emmy Martinez and goal all the way forward, everyone knew their assignments. They knew what to do. It was nice to see it playing out from the back as well. It wasn't just the typical, okay, we don't really have much going on. Let's hoof it up and just kind of hope for the best. There was a lot of playing into space, quick little one twos, just that kind of freedom to, I wouldn't say, overly express themselves but there was a lot of freedom to like I said move into space and to maybe take a few risks that I feel like a lot of these players just haven't taken all season and I mean the one mental stat if if you look at it's still relatively I guess early in the season if you want to say that is the fact that what under Steven Gerrard we only scored seven goals in the Premier League under Aaron Danks and Unai Emery within two games they've already equaled that with seven goals um, if you if you want to be a little bit depressed still, then think about that for a second. But let's move away from that because it is a depressing stat nonetheless. But again, it, it's I, I hate getting too excited about it because it is one game and it is the start of something new, Simon. But I mean, this is what Emery was brought in for. We know his record at Arsenal against United was impressive. I think there's a lot of question marks if he can kind of continue that for some reason. He just has their number. That can be one thing, but it's just, again, it's the signs of good coaching. And this is, I, I, I said this to, I think it was to Tom uh, last week in the recap pod. Um, I think that was last week. I can't even remember, to be honest. But regardless of that, does Unai Emery give you massive um, vibes to Gerard Houllier in terms of that kind of, the I wouldn't say an aura, but how prepared he is and his past experiences and just kind of almost the mindset of how he is as a manager. That's the kind of vibes I get from Moon Emery slightly. Yeah, that, yeah, I can see that. I think you no, know, Julio, I I was happy with that appointment. Um I I think he he was probably hamstrung really by I think not I, I don't think we had as good a squad of players that he took over that we do now. No. And also obviously sort of that was just around the point where I think Randy Lerner sort of financially wasn't able to do what he wanted. And also I think there was you know quite a few unprofessional players in that squad that Hune mm-hmm. had to you know Hune was probably ten years too late to that appointment. But I yeah I, I get the point where you're coming from it, it it just it feels like you've got a manager there who who's he's got a great track record and yeah yeah that's that sort of aura where you trust they they really know what they're doing they really understand the game and you know like yourself it's, it's one game and you, you don't you know you, you can't get carried away there's the Newcastle game last week showed there's still you know problems at the club and there's still work to do but I, I do think there's I think there's a lot of a lot of encouragement, a lot of stuff to, to look forward to. It it will take time, obviously, but there's for me, I, that's a good squad of footballers. There, obviously, it can be improved, but there's there's a really good basis to work from. And if if they're willing to do the work and capable of taking on the instructions that they're going to get, and I think we saw what seen already that there's going to be very detailed instructions there. Um, there's you know there's every chance there for for success to be there, but um, yeah, I, I definitely get get that that point that you're making there. He just he has is that sort of vibe managing that that sort of level of of like competence and know how that we just haven't had for so long. 
Well, the interesting thing I was kind of looking at not only the stat sheet, but just kind of the lineup as well and the substitutions made. I mean, the first thing we can really notice, of course, is Luca Digne came back in. Um, that that was probably a big call for some people. Thought Ashley Young probably should have started, I guess, in some instances. But I mean, at some point, that has there has to be a call on when you make that switch back or whatever. I thought obviously it was the right call at the free kick. So we can all sit back and think, okay, yeah. those who thought that are geniuses. But the one that really are two that stand out. I mean, it's it, it's great to see that Bubakar Kamara actually came on and played, and he was on the bench. Fantastic. But you had Morgan Sanson, who is reborn. Apparently, Unai Emery was a massive fan of him when he was uh, still at Marseille in Ligue 1. And, and then even better to that, you see John McGinn playing further forward. probably the furthest forward I've ever seen him played at Villa in more of a 10 role. I, I mean, again, it is early days. The brief cameos, it's not like a crazy amount really came from it. But it seems like Unai Emery already even in the early days, is able to utilize the players that we've had a lot of question marks over the last year plus. I mean, for Morgan Sanson, basically ever since he joined the club, John McGinn probably since arguably he probably got injured (laughs) um, all those seasons ago. But again, it it just comes down to knowing where to position these players, where they're going to succeed best. It seems so simple, doesn't it, to us fans where we think they're going to do so well. John McGinn plays further forward for Scotland. He does amazingly well, but oh, let's play him as a a holding midfielder and hope for the best. Morgan Sanson played in the Champions League, did excessively well for Marseille for years. Well, he had a few good games in the cup, but you know what? He just doesn't make this up to scratch really to i don't know whose eyes it, it is funny how you kind of look at it in that way isn't it yeah definitely i mean mcginn i i've kind of said for quite a while that i don't really think we utilize him properly because you know the point you make about how he plays further forwards for scotland and he, his goal scoring record for them he's, he's really good i think some like one in three or one in four now obviously there's a caveat that at international level like you play some absolute Crap. <laughs> Let's be honest. You know, like I think he got hatched against like the Faroe Islands. So you have to take stuff like that into consideration. But there's a reason. Like there's a reason that Scotland play him in that more advanced position. He's. Um, he wouldn't be something that you'd want like as a like a number ten in the Premier League. So I don't think he's got that technical ability that that sort of role requires. But as a midfielder, you'd want him. In the same way, the same sort of role that you'd have a Ramsey in that you, you want to give them more sort of attacking license. And you know, that that's something that I think that that's the role that he should be utilizing. Uh Kamara obviously brilliant, see him see him back on the pitch and you know, hopefully yeah, I think the World Cup might be quite handy for him now, actually. You know, he may not start every game, but it'd be you know it's a good way to build up some match fitness for him. And then Morgan Sanson, yeah. I mean, I've I've always actually been quite a fan of his. I, I know when he when he first came, he had like injury problems, which I think really hampered him. But then last season, I think it was his first like full proper season, I think. And whenever he played, I always thought that he looked like a really good, tidy little player. Um, I mean, I, I think it's probably pretty clear to see that there was a personality clash between him and Gerard. I, I'd be very surprised if if it was something to do with his football ability that that meant that he wasn't getting any game time. But yeah, if it, Emery, from what we've heard, is, is a fan of his, and if you know if he can stay 
stay fit and, and get himself going again, he could be like a real asset inside that midfield. Um, so yeah, it was, it was nice to see him come on. And I actually thought the use of the substitutions was really, really good as well. I think he made like he made one first and, and then he made a triple one. But like very cleverly left in like when he made that triple one, I was thinking to myself, he, you know, assuming we're still in the lead, he's definitely gonna bring someone on with like a minute or two to go just to waste a bit more time. And that was like a, another sort of criticism of the previous regime that I think we're all sort of frustrated with how subs were utilised and you're just even something like that it, it, to me that that's the sign of a, a manager who's he's thinking before the games about how he might want to do substitutions and I've always sort of thought when that five sub rule came in it will really show the difference between the really really good managers and coaches and the, you know the, the lesser ones that the, the top ones will have already had plans for you know if the score is such and such at you know 70 minutes this is what we're going to do like it's just yeah again it just smacks of really smart thinking and then someone who knows exactly what they're doing absolutely well speaking in regards to the substitutions and i mean you are 100 right they all count came on from the 70 minute onwards of course leon bailey came off in the 70th form again he was on a yellow card i mean he rarely plays not rarely plays i should say 90 minutes anyway so that does make sense mcginn can kind of be a little bit more flexible between actually attack and defensive duties as well just in case united pulls something back in the last 20 you talk about the uh the triple substitution of course ashley young came on uh for uh luca digne uh, Buendia came off for Danny Ings and Watkins came off for Kamara to kind of settle things a little bit more. Sanson only came on for the last few minutes and then the 90th for Den Donker. But again, it, it, it's people will look at this and think, okay, substitutions, nothing happened in the last really 20 odd minutes. Anyways, doesn't really matter. But again, like you said, Simon, it does matter. It's the way that it, it, for like, for example, I mean, think of Steven Jarrett. It felt like if if he didn't like something, he would make one substitution, for example, say in the 58th minute, and then we wouldn't see anything until like the 89th. Well, that's a massive gap to really make any changes and really what kind of impact is someone going to make in the 89th minute? It's basically just here, get a few minutes under your um, your legs to get a little bit of uh, miles, kilometers, whatever you want to do your measurement of actually running in. But for this, it, it, it's set up to succeed, and that's the way I see it. It was able to slow the game down, but also stretch them out a little bit. When you're bringing on Ings, and we can we see have seen in the past the the passing range that Morgan Sanson has had. I always think of that Chelsea Cup tie last season, where aside from Cameron Archer, I thought he was probably the second best from the build perspective on the pitch. Um, Ashley Young is always so wise in how he can kind of manage a game and absolutely take the piss out of opposing sides. And we absolutely love that about him. So, I mean, all in all, I'm more than happy with those substitutions made and it's great to see. And I mean, kind of even going before the game, I think the one thing that I thought a lot of people may think is Ezri Khan's coming in for Callum Chambers. Were were you surprised to see kind of no real change to the center back pairing? Or did you think, you know what, that's basically been the the main two for so long that's probably what Unai's going to go with. Yeah, I, I I didn't expect it to be any different really be, between them two. I, I I think probably if if they're all on form, I do think that is the best centre back partnership. And you know, certainly at the start of the season, I think was it like the first five or six games, it was a different centre back partnership every week. And 
that's this is that's no way to, to do things because you're never going to build any sort of relationship between them. And obviously, Konza and Mings have you know, played together, like you said, for you know a number of years now. And um, yeah, I, I think having only sort of had what three or four days with them, it, I think it, it probably made sense to do that, not change things up too much. Um, maybe as the season goes on, you might see a few few differences. Um, but yeah, for the time being, I I, I didn't really expect any difference and uh, I thought it was the right thing to do. And, and to be fair, I thought the two of them were, were excellent today. And to, like, sort of going back to the point we are talking about uh, right at the start, about playing out from the back, I'd kind of, <clears throat> the two defenders that I've never really been sure if they're actually able to do that and, Again, we go, you know, use a caveat, it's one game. But the, the two of them look really comfortable. And even Cons in the second half, darting forwards, you know, on a couple of occasions, sort of making overlaps down the wing and stuff, which um was was something I didn't expect to see. But you know, he's, he's you know, Emery's obviously thinks he's got the capability to do that. So, you know, fair play. It, it's good, it's nice to see the two of them both performing well. I don't think this season at any stage that's really happened. I mean, the Brentford game of the week, you could argue, but I mean, Brentford offered absolutely nothing, whereas at least United did come out and, and come at us this week. So it was like a bit more of a test for them. And I thought, I thought the two of them were brilliant today. Absolutely. I'm just kind of going on uh, Twitter before we do three word reviews later. And I noticed Morgan Sanson did um, make a post on there roughly about 56 minutes ago at time of recording saying, finally, dot 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 <laughs> thanks a lot for the great reception villa park much appreciated <laughs> i feel like there's a slight shot there but um, i think we all know mm, who that's to <laughs> um, just, just just a small one nothing catastrophic um i would have to say but uh, i think that is a, a good time to go over to the three word reviews of course you can send them in via twitter at 7500 to hold they go out usually five to ten minutes uh, post-match and it's always great to get your input and have your say and of course we read them out so if it makes you feel like you're important or you uh, get a little shout out from your favorite podcasters and I don't know if we're actually anyone's favorite podcasters but I'm just going to pretend we are um, then yeah it's appreciated for us for you interacting with us and uh, hope you appreciate it as well but anyways let's get through to as many of these as we can um, at Seth410 saying new dog on breaks uh let's go to graham saying 1995 uh aston villains we looked confident um brad wolf i get breakfast um apparently his son is a man U fan and he actually got <sighs> tim hortons he, he's a canadian villa fan i've spoken with him in the past so he got tim hortons breakfast which is a big staple over here I think actually it's in the UK now. Simon, is it not? I'm pretty sure. But no idea. Uh, okay, well, fair enough. I'll just. I, I, I'm, I'm rarely up for breakfast. Oh, well, I don't know if I can talk to you anymore. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> let's go to uh, Singa Villa saying finally right manager um, Chris AVFC saying what a performance. Um, Mole saying one week difference um, at. Matt Buckaloo, sorry if I absolutely butchered that, Matt, but anyways, um, he he said, is this real? No, Matt, I don't think it is, to be honest. I'm still pinching myself. Uh, Sterling Wilson, just the beginning, and let's do two more. Why not? 
Um, Tom Holder, tactically minded manager. And let's finish the best way possible. Like we finished every podcast. Um, I think it's Langness saying up the villa. I think that's the best way um, to end that. Simon, if I was to put you under the hot seat right now, what would your three word review be? Uh, about fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I'm not going to do one because I'm panicking right now and I can't think. Yeah. But um, there we go. <laughs> At least we got you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, I mean, like, so, so today... Um... My brother uh, couldn't go to the game today. It's, it's, it's actually his 40th birthday. Um, so we, we had a big party on Friday night. And um, he, he went out for a meal with his uh, his wife, kids, and my mum and dad. And so I, I dropped present around this morning. And uh, he was saying, oh, today, he's, he's going to ruin my birthday either way because either we'll lose and, you know, I'll be gutted or we'll finally beat them after all this time. And I won't be there. So I, I took my, uh, my nephew and my other brother's kids today. He's, Ten years old, and he's he's like me at ten years old. He's absolutely obsessed, and he his first game was the West Ham game at the start of the season, and obviously that that was in grace. But today he he was absolutely buzzing, and I was trying to impress on him how big a a, a, a result that was. I, I was trying to say to him, the last time we beat these at home, I was younger than you are now. So I, I don't know if I don't know if he quite got the message. But I did spend the whole drive home trying to uh, hammer that into him. So. It's important. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, it doesn't yeah. take another twenty-seven years, though. Let's be honest. Oh, God, yeah, I hope not. <laughs> you know what? Even if it does somehow, at least he'll always remember that he went with you, Simon. That's that's all that matters when we look back and exactly. be sentimental about our family. But and, uh, and I think we, uh, we we should really touch on as well the quality of all three goals. I mean, they were all outstanding. Obviously, the free kick, you know, it's, thank God we've finally seen a direct free kick going in the Premier League. We Where we sit, sort of like right behind it, really. And he's one of those classic ones that as soon as he hits it, you, you just know it, it's going in the back of the net. But even the other two, like Bailey's, the, as sort of touched upon earlier, the build-up with keeping it for such a long period... And then you know, Watkins' hold at play was great. Lovely ball into Ramsey in a perfect way to pass into Bailey in a, a super finish. But I thought Ramsey's goal was, was outstanding. The um, you know, little reverse pass from Brendier to set Watkins away. And I, I really liked that. He actually ran at Lindelof, like didn't sort of cut back and try to be slow. He, he went for him. Lovely little pass at the, the edge of the box. And Ramsey, like he touched upon, 
it's it that it, it's not a coincidence that he scores so many goals like that into the roof of the net. I, I think his finishing ability is is outstanding, really, because he doesn't score bad goals. They all seem to be right into the roof and into the corners, and it's so like a chance like that could be so easy to sort of get overexcited and, and blast that high and wide. But the uh, the composure to sit that away was, was outstanding, I thought. Well, it's just, and like we kind of mentioned before, it was just, it, it seemed like the willingness from Villa to move into space. Like I, I, there was the one, I can't remember if it was earlier on in the, I think it was just after 2-0, the chance Buendia had that he blasted over. There was three or four of them almost overlapping each other, getting in each other's way. But I'm thinking, when have I ever seen these players so willing to get and create this space from just direct balls in the center of the opposing box? Like the amount of times that we had that chance to just cut them open, have someone right in there to make that. I'm thinking, where has this been all season? Where's this been for the last decade? Like, it's just (laughs) mental. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it was it was so good to watch, and you know, like like we keep saying, it's one game. Let's not get carried away. But like I said before, I I, I think there's a really good group of players there, and with with the right the right setup and the right coaching over time, there's 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 no reason why we shouldn't be positive. You, you kind of you look at that Newcastle game last week. Which is obviously you know, really disappointing, and there's it's not really acceptable how they collapsed in that second half. But for me, that that game, I think I, I said it in, on the WhatsApp group. For me, that was the difference between a team that had been coached well for a year and a team that just hadn't been. And you know, look at how they've progressed over this year. I I think Henry is inheriting a better squad of players at Villa than Eddie Howe did when he went into Newcastle. And obviously they've recruited oh, yeah. really well. And that is something that, you know, we will need to do as well in January and, and going forward. But there's there's a really good basis to build on. And as I say, I, I think we, you don't want to get carried away. And But but the league is so tight. Like that win, we, we could have been in the bottom three today had results gone in a certain way. We're now 13th, which is still, you know, a lot lower than we'd want to be. But I think we're some like four points off eighth. Which, uh, uh, I think yes, yeah, correct. Yes, is, it, is that is that Liverpool who are who are eighth? Yeah. Thing? So that's four points is is not it's not massive. It's it's not an insurmountable uh, mountain to climb. And you know, the, for me, the key is we, you need to go and back this up with a result at Brighton next week. I'm not necessarily saying go and win that game. But if you can go get points from that. You sort of you're looking before the game and thinking, man, you're at home, Brighton away. You know, the, the tough games. You could be going into that World Cup break in the bottom three. You're now looking at thinking we could be going into that World Cup break in the top half of the table or you know, around the table, and all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> you're feeling a lot more positive going into that second half of the season. Oh, massively. Well, for example, like in, of course, we're not getting ahead of ourselves too much. We will today, but I mean, kind of looking at the bigger picture, of course, only Brighton to play Premier League wise. But if we do pull off a win against them, that can sit us if things go our way, if Leeds and Brentford don't pick up maximum points. I mean, that would put us right in 11th and we'd be on 18 points. Like it's such a, and, and sitting there for over a month, to 
almost kind of stew on that recent success is so much better than what we could even imagine a month ago. I mean, oh, realistically, yeah. if we would have kept things as is until the world until the World Cup came around, we'd easily be 19th, in my opinion. I wouldn't be shocked. <clears throat> Without a doubt. I mean, j- just looking at the, the fixtures, the Leeds are away at Tottenham next week. Brentford are away at Man City. So it's I'm not sure quite... Going the way to Brighton is is going to be a tough game because they do they're, they're a good team, so two ways about it. But it's it's not a game that is unwinnable. Like there's there's no reason why we couldn't you know end end up going into that World Cup break sitting in eleventh. Like you say, we win and Leeds and Brentford don't, which you wouldn't expect them to win. Looking at the fixtures they've got, you know, I, you say you, you you look at the start of the weekend thinking, Christ, we, we could be bottom of the table going into that break. <laughs> And now you could be you could be going into it eleventh. Is it shows how because the league is so tight. It's why it just made absolutely perfect sense to make the change when we did because there's still the league is in, in from sort of like eighth, ninth down to sort of sixteenth, seventeenth. There's not an awful lot between a lot of the teams in there. If you can get a couple of wins back to back, you can fly up that table. And we've given ourselves a chance to still go and have a, a decent season, which for me, if we, if we finished 10th, 10th or 9th and had a good cup run, considering the start we've had, you'd say that that's a good year. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to go and do that. You know, there's there's a long way to go. But, I, you know, we're certainly in a much better position to, to go and try and do something like that now. Well, even looking at Brighton, they have um, in their third round EFL Cup tie, they have Arsenal on Wednesday. So it's not an easy fixture for them either you have to wonder where essentially their heads are going to be at really in regards to that game as well so I mean they have an extra day recovery if you ever want to look at that as a psychological I guess advantage for them but I mean you are right it's so tight of course we have what leads on the same amount of points as a 15 Brentford only a point ahead uh Palace well Palace Fulham and Liverpool are all on 19 I mean you would expect at some point maybe Fulham, Palace, Brentford, even Leeds above us might have a little bit of dip in form. I mean, further up the table, there's still surprises to be had. We know Man City aren't, arguably, probably aren't even as good as they were last season. At least it kind of feels like that, aside from Erling Holland basically scoring a thousand goals (laughs) already. Um, But I mean, it's massively unpredictable. And when we come back from the World Cup, it's going to be fixture congestion at the wazoo, but it's going to be like that for everybody. And yeah, cross our fingers. Nobody gets injured. That's actually participating in the World Cup for, from a Villa standpoint. But if we can come back and we're going to have most of our team missing out being rested anyways. I mean, yeah, this is a, a massive opportunity to, you know what, if we finish 10th or anything above that, I would be absolutely chuffed to bits. If that means we somehow yeah, get gotcha. into a quarterfinal, a semifinal you know what? I would take that as well. It's, it's clear progress from last season and that's what we have to build on. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like so going into that World Cup break, I'm not really sure how many players will... Well, I said that. I think, obviously, like the Martinez is obviously going. Um, you'd say probably Luca Dean and Kamara, you think, would be in the France squads. Matty Cash going go Poland. Then possibility of went. Then Donker, Buendia, uh, maybe, and maybe Douglas Luiz. There'll be a few that will be away, but the majority, I think, will will still be around. So you've almost got like a, 
another sort of mini preseason, have you? Which, I, which is again, sort of, it was such the timing. Obviously, Gerard had to go. He got to the stage where he had to. But at least I, I think it was wise to give ourselves two or three games with the new manager in charge, just so we can have a little look for a couple of games. And then you've got an extended break to really sort of put the hard yards in. So, yeah, it's uh, that, that, yeah, really, really positive, I think, going forwards. Well, the nice thing, too, when we're thinking about this, this is the most positive podcast we probably had in so long, I can't even remember. But you think about it with Leon Bailey, too, in this break, of course, oh. Jamaica didn't make it. I mean, his injury record has been horrid since he's joined Villa. I mean, we basically bought him injured anyways. <laughs> but, I mean, a month off, a month for him to work on things with Emery as well. I mean, this could be finally the the launching pad that this man's finally needed. He's had a decent season overall, we'd have to say anyways. But, I mean, you know what? A month to really figure out what we can get out of him. I, I think that's going to be the best thing. Definitely. I mean, yeah, like I, I think he has sort of had a, a pretty decent season. Obviously, there's been a few few games where he's not been great, but in most of those, like none of our team were great. But you look at the you know, last couple of weeks, Brentford two weeks ago, he was excellent. I, I thought he was outstanding today. Like absolutely random ragged. Um I, I think the the big thing is that he's been fully fit this season. The like you said, he he arrived injured, which is never a good thing. And then he just he never seemed he could never get himself like a run of consistent fitness, but he he looks so much sharper. He looks stronger. He, I think I think as well it's just a case of it, it takes some play some players, especially uh, foreign players when they come from abroad. It can take a year to really settle in. I, Arsene Wenger always used to say it, it can take foreign players between six to twelve months to get used to the physicality of the Premier League and. And get up to speed with that, and he's starting to look like he is. And if you know, if you can get if you can get him consistently playing like he's done in the last two home games, then we've got a head of a player on our hands. Absolutely. All I'm going to say is that we're only six points off a European spot. So if anyone wants to start dreaming now, we'll, we'll just put it out there. We'll just time make to, it a positive uh, one. T- time to dust off the passports, isn't it? <laughs> well, absolutely. I, I, I got a 10-year one on, I think, was it early 2020, and I still haven't been able to use it. Just haven't had the <laughs> opportunity. So, uh, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll I'll join you, Simon, if we do make Europe. I, I, I don't care if I don't have any money. I'll, I'll figure a way out because <laughs> that would be the best way to do that. But, um you know what, before we do end this, I want to get your man of the match slash match ball. So who would you be giving that to? I think there's a few candidates. Um, sort of obvious ones would be like Leon Bailey or uh, or uh, Jacob Ramsey with the goals and a couple of assists. Um, I can't, I'm, I'm torn between Mings or Douglas Louise and not necessarily Mings from the point of view that I thought we were under like wave after wave of attack, but everything that came into the box he dealt with and he played out really well from the back. But I think I'm going to go with Louise. He may not have been the most sort of eye-catching, spectacular performance, but I, I just thought he he really knitted everything together and the, the transitions from defence to the forward players. He was always in the right position. His, his range of passing and his, his use of the ball especially in that sort of more number eight role, which you've all been crying out for for years. You can, for me, I've always been a fan of his and you really start to see what a talented player he is. 
Uh, I would give a special shout out to Ollie Watkins who I thought his, his work, hold at play was really, really good. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for Louise. Fair enough. Um, I, you know what? It, it's not really a shout for man of the match, but I do want to shout out Emmy Martinez. That save he made on Ronaldo, I feel like any other day yeah. I would have just went in knowing our luck. But I mean, it's a big save to make early on in the game to keep us in it, to keep that momentum going. And I can't remember the last time we played United where I thought, you know what? I have zero defensive worries. Like their goal came from a massive deflection. It was a really, let's be honest, it was probably going wide of the goal or wasn't even going in at all. So in regards to that, there's really no defensive worries. And I, again, I have to give a lot of that to Emmy Martinez. He just makes things at the back so simple. Interesting to see him keep the captaincy um, throughout the whole game, even when McGinn came on. So, I mean, to be determined, another discussion point I'm sure we'll probably have throughout the World Cup when we're trying to figure out Villa-related content. But <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go with Jacob Ramsey. I mean, when do you get a man that's got a goal and assist and an own goal? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know if, you, if the latter isn't very impressive, but I mean, again, the, the space to to kind of lock in with Bailey on the opener the way he nestled that into the top right corner for the the third goal. I mean, he was just all over the place. There's a lot of freedom for him and really just the way he expressed himself was great. And we've all probably seen the clip of um, Emery's first training session and him kind of, I wouldn't say going at Ramsey, but essentially kind of giving him a little bit of, um, of talking to where he needs to be positioned and how he's moving the ball. And I, I don't know what, kind of training sessions they've had for the last two or so days, but it, it seems like we've got the old Jacob Ramsey back with, which is mental to say, cause he's still so, so young and has such a bright future ahead of him, but I'll have to give it to him. But uh, yeah, I think before we wrap things up, I do also want to give a special mention to the Villa women. Of course they beat Liverpool one nil, of course, Rachel Daly scoring again. Um, if anyone <laughs> outscores for Villa, I'm honestly going to be shocked at this point. Puts Villa on, Three wins with three losses, nine points, sitting comfortably in sixth place, which honestly is fantastic. They're only three points off four, uh, which is Man City. So it's great to see a double Sunday victory win for Villa, if that made sense. I don't even know, but regardless, (laughs) they both won. That's all I'm really trying to say. But I think we'll leave it at there, Simon. Um, Actually, you know what? Screw it. Let's. I I don't think we're going to have a... uh, a preview podcast out before Thursday. So what's your prediction in the cup against United at Old Trafford? Oh, I mean, surely we can't beat them twice in four yes, days. We can. Can we? Come on, come on. Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the positivity. I'm, I'm going to go two one better goal scorers. Uh, I'll go Watkins and Ramsey. Fair enough. I'm going to go. You know what? This isn't going to happen. I'm going to go 3-1 Villa again. Why the (laughs) hell not? Just because I want to make it happy. Um, Cameron Archer is going to get on the score sheet because he's going to play. Danny Ings is also going to score a goal. Um, And who? Morgan Sanson is going to score as well because he's going to start. Why not? Because, of course, uh, Dendonker and Benrack are cup-tied. So takes out a center back, takes out a defensive midfielder. Of course, Coutinho is injured until after the World Cup, so we won't see him either. So uh, probably the three most unlikely goal scorers. (laughs) But regardless (laughs) of that, I'm going to go with that. But anyway, Simon, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much to everyone that has listened. Of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, wherever you get your podcast, share it around, tell your 
friends, families, um, I don't know, long lost uncles, or I don't know, the, the babysitter you had 20 years ago that you've randomly found on Facebook and you want to reconnect with. <laughs> um, tell them all about us, leave a positive view, all that good stuff. Of course, check out the website, www.7500toholt.com. We'll leave it there. We should have something out post-match after the cup tie on Thursday that you should hear Friday morning. And then we'll go from there from Brighton. But anyways, and don't forget, up the villa. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.